0: Well, you know, they, they keep saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks, and it has been proven. This is the third time I've let them do it to me. When these young people preach on Sunday morning, and they make an old dog preach in, that, in the evenings, that's just a hard act to follow. Brother Trail did a fantastic job this morning, and we're so blessed to have these young people here that will, are willing to get up, stand before the congregation, preach a sermon, and do a wonderful job. Trail, my hat's off to you if I had one. (laughs) Tonight my lesson is titled, The Shoes of a Christian. Now, I know everyone in here has probably got shoes on. At least I hope you do, with the exception of maybe just a few of the little kids. I hope everybody in here has got (laughs) shoes on. But, I think if you took all those shoes off and put them up here in a pile, in one big pile, it would not be hard to pick your shoes out because everybody's shoes are, they're different sizes, they're different colors, they look different, and they all have different uses. You know, there's even been a lot of songs written about shoes. Uh, These boots are made for walking. Uh, Blue suede shoes. Who wears these shoes? So, you know, shoes have been an important part of everybody's life for generations and generations. Even Christ wore shoes. In his day, they wore sandals. They had a purpose. It helped you walk where you were going. But we want to talk about what shoes does a Christian wear. And unfortunately, many Christians have a lot of different shoes. I was even looking tonight in the closet. I don't have many shoes. But I got looking, there was about six pair in there that belonged to me. And that's for a man, that's pretty unusual. Uh, women have a lot a lot more pairs of shoes. They have a, a specific purpose and a specific use. Just like Christians, they do. So we want to talk about the shoes of a Christian. And the important thing is, it's we're not talking about the physical shoe, but what that shoe represents. So... Let's hang on just a minute. Let's see what I got here. First shoe we want to talk about, the shoe of a newborn, a newborn shoe. Now, all of us have had children. We've all had shoes for a newborn. But what does a newborn shoe represent? Basically, it represents that new person has just taken on Christ. What's the purpose, though? When they put that shoe on, what are they supposed to do? In 1 Peter 2.2, 2, As newborn babes, they desire the pure milk of the word, that they may grow thereby. What do, we feed our, what do we feed our young newborns? We feed them milk. We feed them soft food, things that help them to get the nutrition they need and to help them grow. Just like a newborn in Christ, the best thing that you can feed them is the Word, to teach them. We don't expect a newborn, a person just put on Christ, we don't expect them to know everything there is about the Bible. Even us, the old people, don't know everything there is about the Bible. You're constantly learning. But the purpose of putting that newborn shoe on is to start the process of learning. Matthew 18, 3 and 4 And said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So we all have become like little children. We have to put on that shoe of the newborn. But one thing we need to always remember, when we put this shoe on, we don't stop right here. If you stop right here, you've not done anything that the Bible tells you to. Let's see what else we can find down here. i got a couple examples. Now, I know that looks funny, but my granddaughters love that. This is a place you, and they've got all the little dresses and everything, that go along with it, but they put these shoes on and they play and they have a wonderful time. Just like adults. They put their shoes on to play. What are they playing? They have a good time. That's what we want to do in life. We want to enjoy ourselves. But what do we need to do when we play? What's one of the worst things that you can do when you play? If you play without any regard to what is right. In Exodus, we read about the story of the golden calf. In Exodus 32, 5 and 6, it says, So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. But when they rose up to play they had no regard with what they were doing if it was the right thing or not. Playing is okay, but you have to be responsible for what you do when you play. In Proverbs 20:11, it says, even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. So when we play, we wanna have fun. We have, we have the opportunity to laugh and enjoy ourselves. And God wants us to enjoy ourselves, but he wants us to be responsible for what we do. The worst thing you could ever do in life is follow the crowd. When you follow the crowd, you're going to get in trouble. Hey, just always remember, somebody's watching. Always somebody's watching. We all know God watches everything we do, but who else is watching us? Our children watch us. The little ones around us we're are watching us, the people we work with are watching us, the people we uh, associate with are watching us they're looking to see what we do are we being the Christian we're supposed to be or are we just playing without any regard to doing what is right we always need to remember when we put on the shoes to play we play the way we're supposed to and we remember to do the right things see what else we got down this back Hmm. Ah, there it is. Now we've all got these. Some call them tennis shoes. Some call them basketball shoes. Some call them running shoes. But they're a good. They're fun to wear, aren't they? They're fun to wear. They're relaxing. But tonight we want to concentrate on the runner. You know, a lot of people run. A lot of people run for enjoyment. They get out and they run just up and down the roads. And I admire them. I'm glad they enjoy running. And some of you may enjoy running. But that is not for me, getting out and running up down the roads. That just doesn't seem like a fun thing at all to be doing. There's other things I'd like to do. But they enjoy running. What's the Bible say about a runner? The rich young, the rich young ruler. What did he do? Mark 10, 17, he said, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked, Good teacher, what shall I I do that I may inherit eternal life? What did the rich young ruler do? He ran to Jesus. He saw him, and he ran straight toward him. But what was the problem of his running? He ran toward him, but then he didn't do what what Christ asked him to do. You know, it's one thing to run toward the goal. But if you never crossed the goal or you never reached the goal, what good was it? In Philippians two sixteen, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. It's great to run, but let's don't make our running be in vain. When we run, let's run toward that goal. Let's run toward Christ. Let's run toward that goal in heaven that's set before us. And it's great to put these shoes on when you do. If you've ever run outside barefooted, it hurts. It's just not fun at all. It helps to have these running shoes on. So when we run, let's run the way we're supposed to. You know, Peter's is a very prominent person in the Bible. I've always liked Peter because Peter's one that he went and did it head on. Then he worried about the consequences. But what Peter doing uh, when he was running to the tomb, when he... He heard that Jesus' body had been taken. said, Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and they were going to the tomb so they both ran together. The other disciple outran Peter. But what did Peter do when when he caught up with him? He went straight past him, went straight on in the tomb to see what's going. Peter went straight to the goal. He went where he was going to. You know, that's the reason I've always liked Peter. After Christ had resurrected. Peter decided one day said, let's go fishing. And some of them, let's go out go fishing. They fished, didn't find anything. Christ was over on the shore, and he said, hey, put your nets on the other side. And they caught some many fish, they thought this was going to break the net. But when Peter realized who it was, the others pulled the fish in the boat. They were going to roll the boat to the shore. It wasn't Peter. He jumped in that water and took straight off toward him. And it's because of that kind of attitude that Peter had, that's what Christ said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Peter was the kind of person that was going toward the goal, and that's what all of us need to strive to do. We need to be that runner. But when we run, let's make sure we do not run in vain. Let's see what else we can find out in here. Now, this is the comfortable shoe. It's called a loafer. And it's fun to loaf in. It's comfortable. It's fun to go around in. It just makes everyday life easy. The loafer's great. But what does the Bible talk about a loafer? You know, there's people that sometimes we call them just, just flat lazy. That's all they are. In Matthew, chapter 25, verse 26, when Christ was teaching about the parable of the talents, what he said, But his Lord answered and said unto him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and I gather where I have not scattered seeds. What was that, the guy that was given the talent, what would he do? He put on his loafer shoe. He said, ah. Let's just take it easy. Let's be a little bit lazy. It sort of feels good. But that's not the way we need to be doing. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. How many of you wear your loafing shoes to go out and work? Not very often, do you? You've got to work. And a loaf and shoe, it has its place. But we got to be sure that we do it the right way. And one other very important thing that the loaf and shoe can cause is in Revelations, when it was being discussed about the seven churches of Asia, when they talked to the church of the Laodiceans, it says, These things says the Amen, the faithful the true witness the beginning of the creation of god i know your works that you are neither cold nor hot i could wish that you were cold or hot so then because of you you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot i will vomit you out of my mouth you know when we put this loaf and shoe on what does many of us become we become what the terms called a couch potato We lay around on the couch, doesn't do a whole thing. Eh, I'll get up and go work after a while, but eh, this feels good. I'm just going to lay here for a while. When you become that couch potato, we claim to be a Christian. We claim to do things for Christ, but we don't ever do anything. We don't do anything around the church. We don't do anything in the church. And most importantly, we don't do anything for Christ when we become that couch potato. We just loaf through life and loafing through life. Will never get you anywhere. Uh, let's see. There's got to be some more down here. Let's see what else we can find. Oh no, this is a really good one. You see this? This is called the Sunday best, and it's your best because you want to keep it as perfect as possible. Look at that, still in the plastic, shining, not scuffed up on the bottom. That Sunday best, unfortunately, that's what many, many people put on, is that Sunday best. The scribes and the Pharisees. You know, Christ warned us about those in Luke 20, 45 through 47. He says, Then in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, Beware the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, And the best places at feast, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. But these will receive the greatest condemnation. You know, many people call themselves Christians. And they show up here on Sunday morning for the worship service. They don't come to Bible study. They're not back here tonight. They won't be back on Wednesday night. They never attend a gospel meeting, but they're Christians. But they put that Sunday best on. They put those best clothes, those best shoes on, and, all they'll show up here at worship service on Sunday morning. But, you know, the, the sad thing is Monday morning they put another shoe back on. They put on the shoe of the world. They go right back to what they normally do and say, hey, I'm good for a week. I bought myself another week. I put my two bucks in the plate. I was there on Sunday morning. So I'm good for one more week. So they put those shoes of the world back on and even forget anything about what it means to be a Christian. It's sad when a person becomes that Sunday best. You know, one thing I was always told, and I laughed with Brother Randy about this, uh, this is very unusual for me to wear a tie. You notice I didn't wear my suit. My mom told me a long time ago when I was a teenager, I used to work at a gas station. And I had to work on Sundays occasionally. And she told me, you do not wear your work clothes to church. I don't wear my work clothes to church. I have to work in a suit. So you don't see me in a suit. So try not to, you know, when you put that Sunday best on, the Sunday best is defined by the individual. What they, what they want to be. But the, the true thing of being that Sunday best is it's there on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, and it's back again next Sunday. That's when you're putting on your Sunday best. That's what we need to do. <clears throat> Got another or two in here. Oh, now this is a dandy. <clears throat> Big old clodhopper, work boot little nasty too. It's got a little bit of mud on it, a little bit of grass on it. It's been around a time or two. But that work boot, that's what we want to represent. 2 Timothy 2.15 Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And in James 2.14 It says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? I mean, we're told right then what this, we want to work. That's what it's for. Excuse me. 2 Thessalonians 3.10. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, nor shall he eat. If anybody ever grew up on a farm... You know what work meant. You got up, you went out every morning, and you come back at night. But what was the, one of the main things you did on that farm? You worked in the garden. If you want to eat, you had to grow your food. So if you didn't want to work, odds are you didn't have a whole lot left to eat around at times because working was important when it come to eating. <clears throat> and in the 2 Thessalonians, it continues in, on 311. So it's, for we hear that some... That there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. You know, a true worker for the Lord is always doing something. Doesn't matter, they're always out doing something. If an elder or deacon asks them to do something, they're going to put forth 100% of their effort to get it done. They don't question it, they don't say, I can't do this, they don't try to find excuses. They just do it. <clears throat> and, you know, a true worker doesn't limit their Christian work just around the church. They show their work in their everyday work of life. Everything they do, they work to be a Christian. Hmm. Did y'all notice anything unusual about that? You know, it got knocked off. It got dropped. And that's what a true worker for the church is. They get knocked down. They get stepped on. They get beat around. But they get back up, and they go right back to work. They don't let the world hurt them. Now, they may get hurt, but they don't let the world actually hurt them. Because they go and do what the Bible says. I am going to work. I'm going to work for the Lord. And if somebody knocks me down, somebody runs me through the mud, it doesn't matter. I'll get up, I'll dust myself off, and I'll go back to work. That's what a true Christian does. They put on the shoe of a worker. I think there's one more shoe in here that we really, really need to look at. it's not there there's one more shoe that a Christian should have and it's that non-shoe Mark 16 16 the Bible tells us he who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned you know, there's a lot of people have never put on the shoe of a Christian at all. They don't wear a shoe. That non-shoe is the thing that will send you to hell's damnation. Now, there's a lot of these others can do it too. That doesn't mean that you, you're you perfect once you put on that shoe of a Christian. You know, you've got to do what God tells you to do. Just like it was read earlier in Ephesians 14, uh, 6, 14 through 16. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Well, there's a lot of things we've got to do. But the first thing is when you put on, you shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel, you become that worker. And you're going to be able to fight off anything that's presented before you. doesn't mean you're not going to have trials and tribulations. You're going to have problems in this world, but you can overcome them. You know, when we shot our feet to be prepared, which shoe do you want to put on? This newborn shoe, you definitely want to put it on. That's your first step because you want to be eager to learn, to grow, but you don't want to stop there. The play shoes, they're great. We all want to have fun. That's part of life is having fun, enjoying the things that God has given us. God never told us not to have fun. We want to have fun, but we want to do it in the right way. We never want to forget the purpose we're doing it. And when we have fun, we always want to remember what is right. The running shoe. Running shoes, great. We want to run toward Christ. We want to run straight toward His goal, but we want to be like Peter. We don't want to stop before we get to the goal. We want to go straight to it and straight in. And when we run, we want to be sure that our running is not in vain. The loafer. Sometimes it feels good to loaf just a little bit. But you've got to be sure when you loaf, you do it right, and it's only for a period of time. Because you can't be a worker when you're loafing. You've got to take this shoe off. It's good sometimes just to relax. But you've got to take this shoe off and get back to what you're supposed to be doing, putting on that work boot. We do not want to become a couch potato for the Lord. That's not going to get us anywhere except fat. That's all a couch potato is going to do. The Sunday best. You know, it's sort of useless to talk to y'all about being a Sunday best. Because you're back here. You don't put this shoe you on. You've never put this shoe on because you take your time and you do what you're supposed to. That's what that's what being a Christian is, is not putting on this Sunday best, but putting on this work boot day in and day out. And this work boot. The thing about the workbook we always want to remember is I want to be willing to do whatever it takes, whenever it takes, at any time it takes, for the Lord. That's what we want to concentrate on is doing this, being that worker. And you know, the last shoe we talked about is that non-shoe. If you've never put on a shoe of Christ, if you've never taken this first step and put this newborn shoe on, you need to do that because, I mean, the Bible's already told us. If you do not obey his will, there is nothing but condemnation available for you. And putting on that shoe is simple. It's not hard. You've got to hear the word. You've got to believe that Jesus, is, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Confess his name before men and then be baptized for the remission of your sins. You know, I heard a, a little statement once that has always stuck to me, and it's really meant a lot. And I try to think about this occasionally. And it says, Dear Lord, please let me see today with the eyes of tomorrow. Do you know how wonderful it would be if you could see today with what's going to happen tomorrow? If we knew what was going to happen tomorrow, you know how easy it would be to plan today today? To take care of things. If we knew when the Lord was coming back. We knew the day he was coming. At the exact minute he was going to come back. Which one of these shoes would you want to have on? The newborn? The play shoe? The runner shoe? The Sunday best? The loafer? Or the ones not doesn't even have a shoe? I hope all of you choose. The one we want is the work shoe, that work boot. It's simple. It's easy. All we have to do is make a commitment. The choice is yours. It's up to you. You decide which shoe you want to wear. You decide which one you want want to be wearing when the Lord comes back someday. And I hope that each and every one of us choose to put on the shoe of a Christian and we strive to become this old work boot. The choice is yours as we stand and sing.